fear. In fact, we see the word fear in every chapter. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear is both a reverence for and a healthy attitude for those who can punish us. And the Lord uses an example here in the book of Malachi in chapter 1 and verse 6 as a father and a master. The problem was Israel did not have a healthy fear of the Lord. Turn, hold your finger in Malachi and turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. In Proverbs chapter 2, it'll kind of give us an idea of what the Lord is looking for. Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words, again, it's God's words, and hide my commandment with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. So we see, you know, how to really, truly understand how to fear God. You've got to get into His Word. You've got to to search for for that. Turn over to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 in the New Testament. And here Jesus is talking... And he says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. When, when Jesus was here, he understood that the Jewish leaders and the scribes and the Pharisees did not have a healthy fear of basically himself, of the Lord. And so most of Israel was like a disobedient child that was in trouble and told by their mother to wait till their father got home and yet continued to get into mischief until he actually got there. That was the nation of Israel. We see the word fear in in chapter 1-6 in relationship to the nation of Israel. In chapter 2, verse 5, in relationship with the Levites. In chapter 3, in verse 5, with relationship, uh, relation to the wicked. And in chapter 4, in verse 2, we see the word fear in relation to the righteous. Again, chapter 1 and 2 is the context is in the present tense. And in chapter 3 and 4, the context is present, but viewed in light of the second coming. So in the last two chapters of Malachi, there are prophecies uh, thrown into the last two chapters in in quite a few of the verses. So chapters 3 and 4 reveal that when the Lord, a reference to the Messiah, also the Lord of hosts, which we've seen through our study here, 
that when he comes, he will bless the nation of Israel, and Israel would be exalted. They would no more be trodden down or governed by a foreign or or powerful nation. They understood this, but they didn't realize that not only would Christ judge all those who had done wickedly to Israel, but that also he would judge those who had done wickedly inside of Israel. The people had this false sense that since they were Jewish and they were in the bloodline of Abraham, that they could do no wrong. And yet we see that again when Jesus was here in the Gospels, that the priests and the Levites and the scribes and the Sadducees, they they all thought that they were in with God just because of who they were by their bloodline or, or by their position. And yet, again, Christ would would, uh, go back and forth with them over this while he was here. So most of the Israelites were slack in following the Lord. Key verses in in the book, chapter 3-1. In fact, let's read that back in Malachi. We spent, I believe, three weeks on chapter 3. And there's a lot of information here, but the key verse, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this in their studies, was chapter 3 and verse 1, at least the key verse for me. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So the Lord is coming. That is the Messiah. The, the, the Jewish people are waiting for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come, and he will. But in verse 2, it goes right along with that key verse. Because verse 2 says, But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. So the Lord is coming... But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? Well, for one thing, not not the wicked people inside the land. Now, if today, if we believe that we cannot learn from the book of Malachi, let me just say this. We're not reading it. We're not studying it. And we're not searching it out like we saw in Proverbs chapter 2. The same two verses in Malachi, which are key to the book, are also key to us today in the New Testament. Christ is coming. And the second part is, are we going to be ready? Are we going to be able to stand when he comes? So I've said all that to get to Malachi 4. So let's go ahead and read Malachi chapter 4 and continue to dig into the passage this morning. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name 
shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded in him in Horeb, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse." Let's take a moment and pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings that we find in your word. Lord, help us today to to see the truth that you want us to see. Help us to take that truth and use it in our life and help us to to be ready that when you come and help us to be able to tell other people how they can be ready uh, when you come, Lord. So I pray for our class that you would uh, guide us and direct us during these, these rough times. I pray for our church that you continue to be with it and guide and direct us there. Pray for our pastors and our teachers and our, our, our all the people in our church, Lord, that, that we would be about your business. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your Bible. And Lord, help us to, to learn from it and help us to do it. And in Christ's name, amen. So here in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, last chapter, let's let's break this down a little bit. Uh, we have the context here is the day of the Lord. It is the second coming. Verse 1 says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, said the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So the day of the Lord is going to be quite some day. In verse 5, it calls it a great and dreadful day. It will be a day of judgment. And it says that in in verse 1, to the proud and to the wicked, it will be a day of judgment. But Christ will judge with fire. And if you study the minor prophets, you'll, you'll see many, many prophecies of the second coming and and the details of what will take place if we read uh, not only the book of Revelation, not only uh, some of Ezekiel and some of those books in the Old Testament, but specifically the minor prophets. Turn over in your Bible a few pages to the left to Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8. Right in front of Haggai. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with fire of my jealousy. So we see that when Christ comes back at the second coming, at that day, it's going to be a day of judgment and of fire. 
so turn back to the book of Habakkuk. Again, a few pages over to the left. To Habakkuk chapter 3. And let's read verses 1 through 5. A prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet upon Shigayanoth, and that Shigayanoth is, is basically a tune here, it says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revi- revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known, in wrath remember mercy. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. Okay? Now, turn back to the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 5. In Judges chapter 5, we have the song of Deborah. And it's a song of deliverance of what takes place in the land. But yet, in this uh, song, it's a prophetic song also, because there are things that do not take place until the second coming. So in Judges chapter 5, let's read verses 4 and 5. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir... When thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. So we have a prophecy going on here of the second coming, and it's talking about mountains melting before the Lord. Okay, melting at his feet. Okay, so turn back to the minor prophets again, back towards Malachi. And instead of Malachi, let's go to Joel chapter 2. Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Joel chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread against the mountains. A great people and a strong. There hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations." A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. Again, another reference to the second coming when Christ comes with his saints. If we continue to study through the minor prophets, we will start to connect a path that the Lord comes back. The Bible tells us that Christ will sit down on this same mount that he talks about in Malachi, which uh, is Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, another name for that. 
and that his army be, will be with him and that path will go from Sinai all the way up the King's Highway all the way across to Jerusalem almost exactly the same way that Moses and Joshua led the people through the wilderness to Canaan and yet at this point there will be green grass and green land before them but nothing but scorched earth behind them so when the Lord and his army comes it will be an army that just basically wipes everything out by fire okay now we can also see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 so if you have your Bible there, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's pick it up in verse 9. I'm sorry, that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And verse 7 through 9. So Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from the heavens with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see also the Lord and his saints coming back. So what we see here when the Lord comes back, he's going the Lord will have a great army. It'll be Christ himself, it'll be angels, it'll be Old Testament saints and New Testament saints that come with him, okay? Back to Malachi chapter, I mean, 4 and verse 1 says that this fire will leave Israel neither root nor branch. Now again, talking about the wicked. Not not just the wicked of Israel, but also the wicked of the rest of the world. He will leave them neither root nor branch. Now that's interesting because God is likening the, the wicked people of Israel that are going to be burnt up as a tree that you cut off all the branches and you cut off all the roots. Now I've planted quite a few trees in my life and you always want a young tree that has a lot of roots and several branches and we call those feathers. But So you want a, a tree with roots with roots and branches, but yet if that tree does not have roots and it doesn't have branches, it's basically a stump. And chances are very well that it will not grow. So here he uses that example of uh, neither root nor branch. And yet if you know your Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ is also called a branch and he's also called a root. And so it depends on if you are attached to him or not. Kind of like uh, he said in, in the Gospels, apart from him you can do nothing. 
So he says that these wicked are going to be destroyed, and they will be no. They will have no root, no branch, no offspring, no fruit. That's the end in the line for the wicked. Verse 2 of Malachi says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness with healings in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. So he says, But unto those that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. So turn over in your Bible to, to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 19. Now I know many of you know exactly where I'm going. I know Randy knows where I'm going. I know Bob Klein, if you're listening, you're, you know exactly what, where I'm going and what I'm going to say. But in Psalms chapter 19, it's a, it's a fabulous passage. Psalms 19.1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, and them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, S-U-N, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So in Psalms chapter 19, the Bible compares or likens the sun and the solar system to Christ and his kingdom. And so we see that back in Malachi, that the word sun there is a S-U-N, the sun of righteousness, and it's capitalized. It's a reference to the Christ. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And so it's interesting how the Bible has a contrast. We have the wicked in verse 1. and verse 2, we have the righteous. And it also says that ye shall grow up as calves of the stall. Now in Psalms 92.12, it says that the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Here it says we shall grow up like calves of the stall. And think of, think of a baby calf in the stall of the barn. He, he's got shelter, he's got his, his mother, he has milk, he has everything he needs to grow. And yet uh, that's what God likens the righteous to as a calf of the stall with no worries, carefree, and cared for. In verse 3 of Malachi, it says, And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. And again, let's look at who's talking here. Saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is saying that he's going to do this. So over and over in the book of Malachi, we have the Lord of hosts interchanging with the Messiah. You cannot separate them. 
It says that they shall tread down the wicked and that their ashes will be under their feet. And again, at the second coming, the fire that precedes the army and then the army will march over them and they will be ashes under our feet. And then it's interesting because in in verse 4, the Bible says, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded to him in Horeb, for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. So let's stop and look at that for a minute. The law of Moses. Remember that. And he calls Moses my servant... He says, I commanded him, and yet we know that, that Moses obeyed God. In Mount Horeb, again, that is Mount Sinai, that is where Moses got the Ten Commandments. In fact, the Ten Commandments were on TV last night. But yet, uh, you want to get a more accurate picture of that story, you're going to have to read the Bible. But not only the Ten Commandments, but the law. So the Lord tells the Jewish people to remember the law right before Christ comes back. When the church is raptured out, the the Lord brings his focus back to the Jews, back to the land, back to the nation of Israel, and back to Jerusalem, the capital, and get this, back to the law of Moses. And so he wants them to start implementing uh, the law of Moses here. And then he says in verse 5, I Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. And what is a prophet? A prophet is, again, you know, someone who prophesies. It's basically a messenger. Again, it's the Lord's messenger with the Lord's message. So we can add Elijah to that list of messengers that we've been seeing so far in the book of Malachi. So we started off with Malachi, the righteous priest, John the Baptist, Christ, and now Elijah makes the list. Now think about that list. That is quite an impressive list. Would you let any of these guys in your house today? Would you listen to them? It's very ironic because the Jews mostly didn't. I'm sure that Malachi was ignored, maybe even shouted down or told to go home when he prophesied. The righteous priest also was probably called extreme especially in his words and his actions. He was, you know, you're just too religious for the rest of us type attitude. John the Baptist was loved, but he was also beheaded. Christ was crucified. And here we have Elijah showing up on the list. Now he is looked for by the Jews before Christ's coming because of this passage in in Malachi chapter 4. In fact, when John the Baptist was here on earth, they asked him if he was Elijah. And John the Baptist was Elijah in the sense of his 
proclaiming of the Christ, but Christ was rejected, and as a result, uh, not only John but Christ both were killed. So we see that Elijah himself will be back during the tribulation. But will the Jews listen to his words and believe them? Again, some will and some won't. So we see the law is returning and we see Elijah is returning. But there's a a passage in Revelation chapter 11 that talks about two witnesses. So turn over to Revelation chapter 11. And let's start in verse 3 and read to verse 6. Verse 3 says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy. So apparently these are prophets. They they shall prophesy a thousand, two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These, these two witnesses, have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Well, Elijah did that back in 1 Kings and to turn and have power over waters to turn them into blood. Moses did that in Exodus 7.19. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So we know one specifically is called out here as being Elijah. The other one is Moses. Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. Both Moses and Elijah will show up during the tribulation. Now, get this. The Lord will pull out all stops to get His people to return to Him. Now, the book of Malachi is going to end with a curse. And that curse is really for those people of the nation of Israel that will not obey and not believe. So it's a book that ends with a curse if the people do not return unto him. So some final thoughts on the book of Malachi. The theme is Christ and his coming. And yet all through the Old Testament we have promises from the Lord from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6 that the Messiah, the Savior is coming. And yet we know that even in the New Testament from, from uh, Matthew to the end of Revelation again, it's, the theme is the same. Christ is coming and He will set up His kingdom. In Malachi, we see that the Lord told the Israelites that He loved them. 
In fact, 1 verse 2 says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. You know, many of us, maybe we didn't have the best fathers around, but yet here we have God Himself telling His people that He loves them. In chapter 3 and verse 7, the Lord says, Return unto me, and I will return unto you. He is pleading with His people to come to Him. In chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, the Lord sees His people who obey Him. He sees them as precious and He sees them as jewels. One of a kind. Only for Him. And in chapter 4 and verse 2, Christ coming will be like a magnificent sunrise which the world and the earth has been looking forward to for these last 6,000, right at 6,000 years. That's what Christ has for His people, both Old Testament and New. God's Word is a joyous book to all those who receive and obey, but it's also a terror to those who refuse it. At the end of the book of Malachi, the Lord was done talking to His people. He had finished the line for 400 years until Christ came back. Did He not deal with them? And that's kind of a sad state. But yet, they still had the Old Testament, they had the Law, they had the Prophets, they had the book of Psalms. For us, it's been almost 2,000 years since the end of the writing of the New Testament, yet the message is still clear. Christ is coming. Are you ready? Now, guys, I've studied the book of Malachi, and as we come to an end, I just want to let you know that I've just fallen in love with the book of Malachi. It's one of my favorite books. I hope it's one of your favorite books. You know, I... I think we should not take any book in the Bible that we have for granted. And when we read our Bible, and when we study our Bible, 2 Timothy 2.15, we study it and rightly divide it, and we dig into our Bible like we're digging for a hid treasure, Christ will reveal Himself to us. He will reveal His glory. And the relationship that we have with Him will be what He wants it to have. And so, guys, you know, we don't have to wait until we see Christ, until we're raptured out of here. When we get into His book, we get His mind. And we see what He wants for us. And we see what He has for us. And it should excite us. And it should get us telling other people about the Lord. And it should be getting us... It should get us into helping producing Bibles and shipping them around the world. It should help us to, to want to go to the jail and tell people about Christ. It should help us to want to go to the schools and teach small little children that have uh, nobody telling them the gospel... Uh, the gospel so they can get saved. Lord, God has given us uh, people, God has given us an opportunity
opportunity, especially during this time that people are worried, people uh, don't know what's going to happen, that we can share with them Christ. So let's take the time that we have to share Christ with the people around us and let's ask, let's pray, let's beg God to give us people in our lives and the opportunity and the open door to share with them Christ and make the most of it because guys, here's what's happening. Christ is coming. Are we ready? And are the people around us ready? So let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for your book of Malachi. I want to thank you for the truth that is in your book. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, search your book out and love it. And and not just learn about your book. Not just uh, put it in our life, but live it out in our life. Be like the people in chapter 3 of Malachi, that the, the righteous that just spoke it out and what they said and what they did. And Lord, we see that also in the New Testament. We see that in the book of Philippians that we're going to be studying soon. And Lord, we, we just uh, help us to, again just to see the importance of living our lives for you. And I pray for our class, I pray for our church, that we would be diligent in serving you. And in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Well, everyone, I I pray you all have a good day. Brian will be coming up in a few minutes, so listen to his message. And uh, have a great week. Try to keep in touch with one another. And... uh, just, just call people up and tell them you love them, you care about them, and you miss them. And we will see you next week.